Horror. Welcome back to the Cornetto Minute, the daily podcast where we review and reanimate the Zomrom-Com Shaun of the Dead one minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli, and unfortunately, uh, Nick seems to have gotten eaten by a zombie. Hopefully there's a cure for that. Uh, we'll we'll come back to, around to him, I'm sure, uh, on a later date. But luckily, uh, I've got George and Neil uh, in his place. So, you know, two people in the place of one. Welcome, guys. Hey, how's it going? Hello. Uh, All right. Well, today uh, we'll be taking a bite out of minute 51, which begins with Diane saying, I don't want to be torn to pieces and ends with Sean smacking a zombie in the face uh, on their way out the building. (laughs) All proper like. I should probably ask this before we start recording, Neil, but when I gave you guys these minutes, you said that uh, that these minutes featured your favorite line in the movie. Is it in this minute or another minute? Yeah, it's in this one. Uh, okay. It's, it's it's David's line about uh, no not, one owning a car in London. Yeah, exactly. He, he doesn't <laughs> see the point of <laughs> which is is well. He's got a point. He has a he has a point. <laughs> oh, but it's just a, the it's so pretentious. It's it, you know, and it's it's totally off the point. I mean, he's just, he's an intelligent guy, so he's not missing the point, right? He's just being a yeah. bit of a dick. Right, making a point to interject his own personal preferences, and it's like this. There's no time for that. We don't need that right now. No editorializing. Yeah, and and you know, I just I used to know people like him, and uh, it just it it so it, it it's got a it's it's it reverberates with me pretty well. And but the um, I think they deal with it. I like how the movie deals with it because it's it's kind of low key, um, and they don't really hang on it. You get this this look on Sean's face, which kind of reminds me a bit of like a Blackadder kind of look, but then it just moves on. And, and I like that, that they don't hang on it too long. Yeah, this movie's ton, we got tons of those spots where they, they don't they don't linger. They just like hit the beat and then like expect you to like deal with it, react mm-hmm. or move on with them. Well, I think it's one of the reasons why there's so much of a rewatchability with Edgar Wright movies mm-hmm. uh, is because that seems to be, you know, moving at a clip seems to be a part of his sense of humor. Yeah, stopping for uh, stopping for the the pause break is not his style, and that's mm-hmm. what makes it so enjoyable because you constantly are just you're just moving with it. You don't get bogged down in his own ego. Right. Yeah, and and, and as far as the car thing, uh, the setup to that line with uh, with when when Sean says that the uh, the Jag is going to be uh, a little cramped. So, do either of you have transport? And Diane puts up her hand and it's like, it's like, yes, yes. And she, he's like, great. Where? Uh, oh, no. I, I mean, I passed my test. Which is, yeah. And that, that deadpan look he gives her that uh, and moving on, you know, that's a, that, that, that right. look is the embodiment of the Edgar Wright mentality of like, hit it and quit it. Yeah. It's like, don't uh, have time to deal with this right now. Let's go. Tell, let's actually move on. Let's figure it out. 
We actually, we talked about this uh, last week a little bit about how Diane is so fully on Sean's side because, I, you know, Diane, she's got a little bit of a, not like, like a, like an innocent sort of crush on Sean in this moment, because this is, seems like such a heroic sort of romantic thing that he just did, um, mm. which, which is, you know, fight his way through the zombie apocalypse to, to make sure that Liz is okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, she just seems to be so excited to be a part of whatever it is that Sean's plan is, uh, that she's a little, uh, little too gung ho to, uh, be like in agreement with whatever, whatever Sean's asking. Um, and not really like thinking about, cause you know, do, do either of you have transport? Yes. Well, no, I passed my test. <laughs> it's, I kind of think it's just such a fun. silly thing to, to, to sort of like uh, get your wires crossed on of like, oh, I can drive, but I don't have a car. <laughs> yeah, I kind of think she's like this just pretty much all the time. I mean, I do, oh, okay. I, I, I agree with your point. I, and I think she doesn't get that kind of, uh, you know, any sort of swashbuckling romance from, from David, right? Obviously. Oh, no, no, no. Because he's like, a total uh, wet He doesn't fish. see a point owning a car in London in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> so uh, he's not exactly going to be sleeping her off her feet. Off her feet. <laughs> but he's, she's totally ditzy almost all the time. And, and you know, we'll see it in, in a, a couple of minutes time as well when she's in the car. When she's just, she seems to just fixate on whatever the, the person in front of her is saying at this very moment in time. It, mm-hmm. she doesn't seem to kind of ever get the big picture right well yeah but, but we'll she's, she, i think she thrives on the little things she she focuses on the small things the little like some might not notice like little things that she picks up on which which is fine but you need a little bit of balance i think she's a little too uh, micro and not enough yeah. macro mm-hmm uh so one of the one of the foreshad like okay so this movie's loaded with foreshadowing and uh, there's a really great bit of foreshadowing at the top of this minute where Diane says, I don't want to be torn to pieces, Daphs. <laughs> and I'm sure if you really think about it, neither do you. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> That's definitely not yeah. one way to go, preferably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not the best. Uh, but, but, yeah, I, but I do like it. And it, and it does... There we've we've noted a couple of times in the movie where it it feels like it's sort of uh, uncomfortably bending back to make one of these foreshadowing moments. There's a bit where um the soccer hooligan kid out in front of their their flat uh mm. kicks the the soccer ball at Sean and he he rubs his head and he's like, "Hey, you're dead." And we're like, all right, yeah, we get it. Yeah. He's gonna be a zombie later, I guess. Um, and so, like, that one's a little, <laughs> a little much. But this one, as as much as they do put put uh, a very fine point on this bit of foreshadowing, I think it it plays really well in the moment. But it also just reads into like just like sort of that zombie trope of like somebody's going to get torn to bits a lot, mm-hmm. and it's probably going to be more than one person because that's how zombie movies are. You either get turned or you get you fall prey, you fall behind, or you get ambushed or something. But you end up getting you know lunched on, right? Ambushed. The, yeah, the zombies that ambush you. <laughs> yeah, have <laughs> you like seen Twenty Eight Days traps. Later? <laughs> <laughs> 
These, I mean, really, when when they're this slow, that's the only way that zombies <laughs> get you is when they ambush you, right? Yeah, they, like you come around so, a I, corner and there they are. Surprise! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess way. it's um, it's interesting. This depiction of zombies is quite interesting, isn't it? I mean, the, obviously, a lot of different movies treat them very differently. It, do do you know of another example before this where? The, the the protagonists were just running past them like this? Uh, or is this kind of the first time this take has been... Mm. They're constantly getting... Basically, the zombie mythos of each movie is tweaked to fit the plot. So being able to run around and do that, like video games and stuff have it, where they are kind of shambling, but if they start to build mm. up into groups, they're going to get you. So you have to like avoid letting them accumulate, and you have to take them out individually, that sort of thing. So it's right. like a scale depending on on where you are, and this is that sort of thing. Like they're right now, they're just sort of like fresh and shambling, and they're easy to hit. But you know, if you get ten of them coming at you at once, you're probably not going to get out of it. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't got to keep the, moving. The li- I don't remember the Living Dead series having this kind of uh, an example of when they were just able to walk past them almost and and just shove them about and. They don't yeah. seem that dangerous, like in this in this kind of number. Whereas I think in in the Living Dead series, it was, even in this kind of number, they were you didn't really mess with them. Right, right. I mean, also I think it has. Um, I mean, there, there's a couple of things going on, right? It's like there's there's one. This is primarily meant to be a comedy, so it's uh-huh. it's a it's sort of a tone thing of just like mm. look how silly these stupid things are. Um, but then it's also, yeah, I mean, I mean, those movies were taking themselves very seriously. So it's like it's sort of about like how dismissive the actors are portraying the situation, you know, because mm. I mean, the zombies are slow like this in The Walking Dead and are still treated as if they're dangerous unless there's only like one or two. And then, yeah, they just have sort of like mm. shove them over and then move along. Well, see, this, uh, yeah. this, this, the, the, the zombie treatment in this is this is still keeping in with the Edgar Wright theme of let's take two tropes and mash them up and then make a movie out of them. But there's always a dominant trope and there's always a sub, like a submissive trope. And uh-huh. in this one is the romantic comedy aspect of it. The zombies are the secondary part, and the zombies can't have a behavior that is so over the top that it overshadows the romantic trope. Mm-hmm. So this whole thing has got to be playful and silly. And there are, there do get to moments where it is actually scary and it's very gory and violent, but that's still, that's still running in line with the heightening romance of the whole thing. So it, it's, yeah. it's like Edgar Wright, like hot fuzz and, and into the world. It's everything is, um, it, it's like, it's always got that undercurrent of what's your real story. And right. you always know the real story because it's the one that always comes out in almost every scene. Would you, a question for you guys, are these, is this apartment on uh, like the first floor, like what I call the first floor, meaning one floor up from the ground floor? Yeah, it's one floor up from the ground floor. Right. Yeah, because they're, they're, you can hear them, the zombies, but you can't see them at the windows. Well, and, and Sean had to climb up the side of the building to get to the window, so. But um, yeah, my, my question, I in. think this might be where Neil is going. Why didn't they climb back out the window instead of running out the front door? right in front of them. I mean, why just, you know, I would have probably gone, you know, a different way. I think it'd be easy to get distracted going down the window. Uh, 
and, yeah, and it's going to take time to do bit. that, right? As well. Yeah. No, um, if you're on the first floor of gravity, it's an easy jump. Just hit and roll and go. Uh, I don't know about that. Too. I don't. I think that's. I think that's easier said than done, George. Well, not, well you know, when the zombie apocalypse comes, we'll meet in the middle and see who gets there first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, actually, my question was why did they think, or why did Sean think it was safer? Uh, to go to the Winchester, I, and I guess it's because. Or may, and do you think they put them on the first floor because, well, that doesn't feel that safe on the first floor. Maybe if they were like on the tenth floor, you'd think, ah, okay, they're not going to get all the way to the tenth floor. Well, let's just stay here. But because right. they're only on the first floor, well, it's not safe, so we're going to have to do something. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, and uh, but I do think that that's sort of part of the joke is that he's kind of taking them out of safety. Um, Because, I mean, if they had just waited in Liz's apartment for like a day, all of this would be over. Uh, And David would still be alive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, um, I don't know. Maybe they are better off going to the Winchester. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I I definitely think that's part of the joke is that he's going to the Winchester because he wants to do something active yeah. and and because his house definitely isn't safe yeah uh but yes. yeah i mean you know this this whole journey to the winchester i mean it it gets it gets phil killed it gets his mother killed it gets you know david <laughs> yeah. killed and ed killed uh because according to the special features on the blu-ray um even though she does run out into the into the horde of zombies, uh, mm. Diane does survive. So, oh, is that right? Oh, okay. Yeah, she climbs a tree and then survives. Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> oh, good for her. Yeah. <laughs> so that's something. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's, I, I, I mean, I guess that's just part of it, right? Is it's sort of like, uh, you know, he's he he's he's making an active. Uh, you know, choice to go do this thing, and he's trying to keep active, but he's just—he's bad at making choices. Uh, and that's, mm. and that's sort of part of what the ending is about, right? It's like it's sort of like, well, I mean, you know, if you can't, if you can't grow up, just you know, get a girlfriend who can grow up for you. Because uh, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of what happens at the end, right? It's like she's sort of making all the decisions for them, and he's like, all right, cool. <laughs> yeah. Just going along with it. That's um, right. Because that, ha- that one yeah. time he made decisions, uh, a lot of people died. <laughs> it's just it's just it goes to show you the value of a good woman in your life. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's so it's, true. Speaking of Liz, what what do you think of Kate Ashfield? Because um, she's not one of Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg's regulars, right? No, well, none of the women that they've worked with in this trilogy um, are regulars. Like they, they never come back because Olivia Coleman never comes back, mm. uh, and uh, and and um, uh, I forget her name. Uh, oh, Gone Girl, uh, Ro- uh, uh, Rosamund Pike. Yes, thank you, Rosamund Pike. Yeah, okay. Um, but but yeah, the, but I assume it's because you know once they got to the second movie and there was no you know, major female characters in Hot Fuzz. They just mm. realized like, okay, so we're making a trilogy officially. And mm. it the trilogy is, you know, Edgar, Nick, and Simon. And right. that's it. So we're not going to like really bring back. But then that that kind of falls apart because you've got like Bill Nye in all three movies and you've got, mm-hmm. um, 
a couple, and then you've got like a couple other ones that are in two of them, uh, I think. Two oh, and three, then you get so. some uh, space cameos in uh, Into the World. So it's like right, World's End, like, World's End, World's End. End sorry, Into the World. <laughs> it's not my fault. They took two movies, the exact same premise, and made them with the exact same names. But Dylan, no, this is the end and the World's End. Totally different names. Dylan Moran, who Dylan Whatever. Moran, who plays David, he was in. Um, what was the one he was in with uh, with Simon Pegg? He was in another one of Simon Pegg's. It's not an Edgar Wright, but it's one of. Simon oh yeah, Pegg's. yeah. Uh, run, fat boy, run. That's right. And he's a yeah. black books guy, and so there's that right. kind of connection um, with Bill Bailey in space. And then Diane is um, what's her name? I forget the actress's name. Lucy da- Lucy Davis. Yeah. No, she uh, she's familiar to British um, TV watchers mainly because of The Office. The right. British office. And, you know, there's that link with Martin Freeman who pops up in this movie. Um, so those kind those those are all kind of connected in my mind. Um, but mm-hmm. Kate Ashfield is not. Right. Kate Ashfield is just someone who auditioned and got the part. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think she's great. I do quite like her. I think she's great. Uh, yeah. And we're we're seeing sort of because it's it's kind of a, I mean it's a tough role, right? Like to do that and still come out the other side of this movie, like kind of likable, because um, she's mm. she's the one that's saying like you know you're not growing up. I I think this movie does a good job of sort of um, painting that character in a in a really positive light and showing like no 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 she's not she's not wrong like. Sean needs to grow up, grow <laughs> yeah. up, you know, Sean, Sean, Sean does have a lot of these issues. You know, it's not like a 40 year old virgin where they're just like, you really need to sell all your toys. And it's like, no, yeah. he doesn't like, he doesn't need to sell his toys. He can, <laughs> he can still be a man and have all those toys. Like that doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, th- this no, movie isn't making point. that kind of argument. Yeah. They make a great point in this movie of making the the female lead be sympathetic um, and and be strong without being an antagonist to the protagonist. Mm-hmm. Because they're mm-hmm. she's not trying to make him change. She's like saying, "No, if you want to be with me, you need to be better." And these are I'm not exactly asking for the world here. I just want you to like you know pick up after yourself and think about things on occasion, and you know be a grown up. And so they do a great job of making her be this person who's just giving him something to strive for. And like a, a direction to grow into, mm-hmm. right? But it's it's it would be a, it's a tough role. Like in any other movie, like she's the bad guy in this movie. Mm. Um, and it's it's you know I I think it's it says a lot about uh Edgar and Simon's script, and it and it says a lot about her performance. Uh, because even in those tough scenes where she's really kind of got to put her foot down. She's playing it in a way where you're just sort of like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I get where, I get where you're coming from. This you're not mm. wrong. Um so, I think she's pretty good. And and I like her in this because she's not sure like, you know, she's trying to sort of weigh Look, I I do want to be safe. You're making a lot of sense about how you're describing the like, you know, how you're describing uh the Winchester or whatever, but like I I also want this to be about my safety and not about us. Like I don't want you dragging me out into the zombie apocalypse just because you think we're going to get back together. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and and you know playing all of that is 
I can't imagine a, an easy task, um, especially in a, in a film that's as paced as quickly as this is. And, uh, I think she does a really good job. I do have questions about the her calling him Flash. Is that like a Flash Gordon <laughs> reference? What is what is that? Uh, it's a Barry Allen I, reference. I don't. I don't think it is. <laughs> I, I think it's just a, a little nickname or a. I think it's just thrown out there. I don't think it's a, a reference okay. to the Flash. She could <laughs> have right. said like, uh, um, oh, I don't know. Is there another example we can throw out that she could have just dropped in? I don't know. Yeah. I th- maybe it's just like a personal inside joke that their relationship has that just comes yeah. out in this one moment and we don't need to know what it's about. It's just, that's how they communicate. That's how they connect. She's all right. I'm giving you my full attention. Like, uh, well, I thing. think like if she's just said like, uh, all right, hotshot, what do you got? Like right. something like that. I think it's, that's, that's all it's got going on. Okay. There, I think. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Is, there a, actually, is there a famous, she... is there a famous cricket player named flash? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> There has to be, right? I don't think so. <laughs> she was actually, uh, I think she does do a good job in this. She was, if you want to see her in, um, in a very different role, um, she was in a British TV drama called Secret Smile with, oh. uh, with David Tennant, huh. who, oh. who plays a, a really nasty guy. It was yeah. like a, two, a two-parter uh, around the kind of mid-2000s. Um, Did she have super strength? Because there's no before. superpowers in this. Okay, um, all right. So it's sure. pretty. Na- it gets pretty nasty. This one. Uh, it's a real kind of hard hitting drama, um, and you know David Tennant really relishes in, in that that kind of role. He he really kind of d- plays that kind of sinister kind of guy really well. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's w- worth checking out if you if you wanted something very different to this with right. uh, with Kate Ashfield and uh, my enough. second favorite Doctor Who. <laughs> I I have to say oh, I am um, I'm very impressed with uh, you know it's it's easy to forget that it's Dylan Moran uh, as David because mm-hmm. he's so he, I mean he still sounds like Dylan Moran he still sounds like the guy from Black Books but he's so mm. different uh, from yeah. from uh, Bernard right is that his name on Black Books yeah. Um, yeah, he's just such a different kind of character, and I'm and I'm really impressed by this. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, does this predate Black Books? Because I think he just auditioned for this as well. Uh, uh, I happened to know. get it. I don't know where they fall out, fall in actually. No, I'm not sure. I'd have to check. Okay. Um, um I'm fairly well, certain this predates Black Books, and so yeah, it's just you could be right. Yeah. yeah what what I like about what I like it's is 2000, um, 2004 for Black Books. Okay, yeah, so it does predate okay. the right. shooting of this predates that because I think this came out in 2000. Uh, this came out in 2004, at least in America. I don't know if it came out, it might have came out in 03 in England, but mm. uh, yeah, I, I so. like uh, his, so his choice of polo shirt is quite interesting. I the mean, rugby it, shirt, yeah, yeah, and it's, it's like it's quite a pretentious kind of look, and the, you know, the rugby look in the UK is is more of a kind of a private education thing and what Ooh. i got from that is that these three so david diane and liz i imagine all went to like a private school or public mm. school as we call it in the uk which is not for the public it's it's kind of weird <laughs> that's not um, confusing at whereas, all whereas i i think you know sean and ed and pete all probably went to like a local school like a right. state school 
Well, he could be putting on airs. Out. He could be like, he found like, I want to wear a rugby shirt because I want to be like someone who went to private school. He sounds like someone who mm-hmm. would cling to pretense before he would, you know, be authentic. Mm-hmm. Because well, I mean, lovely, maybe, well, but your, your either London way, cars line. Yeah, either way, it's the pretentiousness of wearing the shirt. It's, I mean, it doesn't, he doesn't strike me as a rugby player. Right. <laughs> I could be wrong, but he wants some so, rugby. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of that. That's the vibe I got. That that there's a separation between these three and Sean and Ed specifically. I guess they don't really meet Pete, right? Um, but that was the. It, it became quite kind of uh, divided in my mind, just from kind of seeing these three. And I guess maybe it's the way that they shoot this this scene because you got the three of them, right? And the camera's looking at you know Kate in the front, David and Diane to her left and right, and then on the other side the camera flips and you got Sean. So it's kind of like, it's a kind of us and them kind of thing at this point. Maybe that's where I was getting that from, but maybe I'm reading far too much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I I, I see your point. I see what you're saying. Uh, But it's also, uh, I mean, it, I, I don't, I don't disagree. I think that that's definitely, I, I think it's more about the three of them are adults and and Sean isn't mm. uh, is is how I saw it because the last time we saw this sort of um, this sort of blocking setup was in the uh, breakup scene, uh, right? Yeah, when yeah when when Sean shows up with the with the flowers, um, so and in that it's it's very much about like you know the three of us have you know real jobs and you know we're real adults and you're still acting like you're you know 21 uh, yeah yeah so but i think that 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 uh that that sort of um i guess public versus local school uh mentality uh it certainly could be part of that for sure uh we did talk a little bit about uh, his rugby shirt last week and about how that was actually Dylan Moran's choice. He chose, uh, oh, okay. For, for David to wear the rugby shirt. Oh, um, cool. Good. For yeah. Him. Yeah. 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 So, uh, he said that this is exactly the kind of thing this, this type of douchebag would. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wear. He is trying to be yeah. that guy. Like uh-huh. that, when you think about that guy, the pretentious, like, you know, central London, whatever living guy, he's like, this is who I want to be. And so he's like, he's going to be a rugby shirt. He's going to have these opinions on this and that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he will this have seems like a, a thing he, he would do. He'll have a sweater like over his shoulders with like the <laughs> arms wrapped around tied in front of him. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's the, Dude, that's total, that's a total country club look here. Like you imagine like <laughs> yeah. some guy named Biff or Buffy or something like that, like walking around with their tennis yeah. outfit on, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. That's very eighties, like revenge mm-hmm. of the nerds kind mm-hmm. of thing uh and i love their horrified expression uh as they as they wait for him to open the door and i also more than anything in the world i love watching diane follow behind and just sort of like lazily (laughs) move her stick about like she's going to hit somebody but she's not hitting anybody she's just following i don't know but uh oh man there's nothing i love more than seeing diane just sort of <laughs> She's got a big stick. What is that? A rain stick? Like a talking stick know. or something? It's like a giant gnarled. I don't know. It looks like a T Rex's femur. 
Yeah, it it's does. It, like, <laughs> you know, some some people like the kind of like to have like a big old bit of beached wood mm-hmm. in the house as like a decorative thing. I guess thing. it's decorative because there's no way that's a walking stick. That that's no, it's too gnarly, right? It's like all. It looks like the kind of thing that um, you'd like pass around like a circle, and like when you have the stick, you can talk. You know, <laughs> yeah, the spirit stick. <laughs> Yeah, like a spirit stick, a spirit right? Stick. That's what it kind of looks like. <laughs> uh, maybe she uses it in her drama class. Uh, I mean, it might, it's probably going to be quite effective against see zombies if she actually used it. <laughs> if she actually used it instead of yeah. just batting at the air. No, she could Almost. definitely do some damage to that thing, but she's just kind of like pushing the air. <laughs> it's amazing. I love it. Uh, all right. Well, do you guys have anything else for this minute? No, I'm no, good. I'm good. All right. Well, uh, why don't you uh, tell people about uh, Mogwai? Do you guys do you guys know when you guys are coming back yet? Uh, next year, earlier next, next year? year. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Yeah, well, we're we're taking a break uh, between yeah. movies. We're winding well, we're up the break some, though, so we're we're, we're about to ramp some, up production again. Yeah, we are, and in the meantime, we're putting out some some special episodes for our listeners. Uh, we're we're doing um. Little one-offs with guests uh, talking about uh, a few different Arnie movies. Oh, all right. Yeah, just an hour or an hour or two uh, talking about yeah. each one. Not not in, in as much detail as the minute by minute, but I mean, so we're taking a break from the format also. Okay. But it gives us a good chance to kind of, you know, pick up some 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 fun bits on some movies that uh, that we both George and I both love and grew up with. Uh, separately, of course, because we didn't grow up together. We're actually uh, brothers. Yeah. Did you don't know that really? <laughs> or we are related. Brother from another mother. <laughs> Country. So yeah, you can yes. check those out on Mother uh, England. Uh, we are on at the Mogwai Minute on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you fancy. All right. Well, uh, we will be back uh, tomorrow with another episode. Uh, in the meantime, go check out the Cornetto Minute Listeners Pub on Facebook. Join in the discussion over there. Uh, we talk a lot about uh, the differences between England and America, and also a lot, a lot of posts about British snack foods. A lot of Jaffa um, cakes. Great. A yard yeah. of Jaffa cakes. Yeah, <laughs> a yard of Jaffa cakes. Uh, so go check that out if that sounds interesting to you. Um, and uh, we will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, let's have a nice cold pint and wait for all of this to blow over. Thank you.